Okay, we began last week trying to figure out who had Eretz Yisrael first. As I mentioned, there's no nafkamina. Either we had it first and Chum conquered it, and we are now in Yeshua and Shetan conquering it back, or they had it first. The first Rashi seems to say that because Rashi says that we should tell the Umasayilam and ourselves, not in that order, that the Kodesh Baruch created the world and he gives it to whomever he wants at any particular time. And sometimes it's a short-term lease, so to speak, until he gives it to the Amanifcher, which is what seems to be going on according to the first Rashi. problem is it seems to be a stira to this Chazal that Rashi's quoting from last week's parasha, that... Kanani Azbaritz, we got it first. Shame was there. Assuming shame was in all of Israel and Chum was conquering it. The third Rashi, which seems to go with the first Rashi in Chumash, the three in total, is on page two, which we are about to see. Pasich Chav Beis, V'yalu Benega V'yavu Ad Chevron V'sham Achiman Sheishai V'salmai Yelidia Anak. Chevron was a place to daven. Maris Melchela as we're seeing in this week's parsha, and Kalev wanted desperately to go there, even though it was dangerous, to be able to daven for Siat Shmaya, that he not be convinced of the position of the Ten Raglim, or that it shouldn't get violent if he's not convinced, and they shouldn't try to get rid of him. And he went to daven there, but the Pasuk says at the end, a piece of information which obviously is very important, Rashi is going to tell us what it is, V'chevren Shevasham Nivnasa Lufnei Tsayan, Mitzrayim. Take a look at Rashi and Chavbez. Yeshua Benun had a special bracha from Moshe Rabbeinu, and therefore he didn't think it was necessary to go. It doesn't sound like Kalev told anybody where he was going. So I don't know if he asked Yeshua, do you want to come? I'm going to Hebron. It was sort of difficult to speak about these things in front of the other ten. So the assumption is he just slipped away understanding that Yeshua bin Nun wouldn't have time as wide to go without me because he had that added layer of protection. That's my assumption, because he made it very quiet, slipped in, slipped out. I'm going to get back to that in a month or two when we see the conquest or the Chazar of the conquest of Hebron and then given to Kalev who gives it to his daughter and his son-in-law Asniel ben Kanaz and we'll see why that was significant. So why are we given this fact that Hebron was built seven years before Tzayin and Mitzrayim? Rashi That's what's key over here. Sounds like Cham Yashin did directly from Noach, and he was given two large areas, Mitzrayim and Canaan, named Canaan afterwards to be named after that, Palestine to be renamed after that, a few different names until we finally uh, prove it to the Umasalim. But let's assume for a moment, the reason I'm saying that, the whole area, unless you split up Yushalayim versus the rest of it and split Eretz into two. Is it possible that the building of the cities, apparently people used to give different gifts to their children. They uh, always had a historical riddle. What did Rockefeller's father give to him when he was seven years old for his birthday? 
What do you give a seven-year-old? Blocks. No, you never heard that one? Okay. Well, that's what this Rashi is talking about. He apparently had a lot of land, and he knew how to build. He was a kablan also, a contractor, and he built cities for his sons. So that is a double push. It. The question is, if you have an older son and a younger son, who are you going to build for first? Obviously, the older son. And the Pesach says, the Chem was built seven years before Tzayim and Tzrayim. Mitzrayim was an older son, and Canaan was a younger son. So what's going on? That's what Rashi's asking. Efshir Shabon Ocham Es Chevron Lekanam Benoi Hakatan Kaidim Shivna Tzayim Lemitzrayim Benoi Gadol. Can't be. Ella Shahaisa Mavuna Bechol Toiv Al Echad Mishiva Betzayim. It doesn't mean to tell us a chronological order. It's telling you that it was seven times as built up, as valuable as Sion and Mitzrayim. And we're being told how valuable an Achosh of Eretz Yisrael was. Ba'lo di'acha shivcha shal Eretz Yisrael, she'elacha taishin be'eretz Yisrael, yeser mi'chevram. There was nothing less fertile and sounds like less valuable from the farming point of view than Chevron. It's very rocky. Hard to have successful farming in a rocky area. It can be done, but it's difficult. Rockland County is called Rockland County for a reason. They grow things here. There are a couple of farms here and there. Not too many. But what? Uh, right, but what they were growing, I don't know if it was the most fertile area. You could plant, uh, you clear the rocks and you plant, but it wasn't very valuable. There's no rockier place, less valuable place from that perspective than Chevron, the Fichach, and the right of the Dabur is Hiktsua Likivrus Mason. It wasn't just Maris and Malpela, they used it as a large cemetery. Gotta put a cemetery somewhere. So Chevron was picked to be that because they're not giving up valuable farmland. And contrast that, <laughs> General, Mitzrayim was very fertile. The Nile ran through it, didn't have to rely on rain, and aesthetically a beautiful place. And Rashi goes on to say, and within Mitzrayim, the nicest area with Sayyam. And you put all that together, Mitzrayim is a beautiful country, Sayyam the nicest place, and it was still... Nothing compared to Chevron, which is the worst place in Eretz Yisrael from this perspective. I keep adding that for a reason. We'll discuss that in a moment. And Chevron was seven times as valuable. So, we're reading the Pasuk. What you do with the word Shanim is a different discussion. But Sheva Shanim Nivnesel of Neitzayim Etzrayim. Nivnesel is Nivuna. It's built up, meaning in its Chashivas, in its status, it's seven times as valuable as Sayyim Etzrayim. Before we go back to explain that, for a moment, uh, what do we see from this Rashi for our purposes? Who owned this land? Cham. And he's giving it out to one son, Mitzrayim, one son, Canaan. And the only cash is, uh, if Canaan is younger, why is he getting a city built first? But it's clear, he owned the area. So Sisa Chamim, in one of his theorism, is going to mention that maybe he owned part of it. And Mitzrayim and the suburbs, uh, rather Yushalayim and the suburbs, were owned by Cham, originally given to Shame, were owned by Shame. And then Cham was conquering it, and it was split up, and Eitz Israel had two jurisdictions. The problem is that Hebron is pretty close to Yushalayim. It's possible, the border's got to be somewhere. So, 
it's possible that Shem owned it and that uh, Ham owned it also. That is a way to get out of this. But this is why she's clearly assuming that Ham owned Hebron and other parts. Yes? Maybe he owned the question is when. It's possible. That, that is a mahal. It sounds like he was divvying things up and we have no pickpook on Mitzrayim. We have no reason to be mafakfake and say that he conquered somebody else. Could be conquered definitely somebody else also. Who knows? Sounds like he's giving over. His minic was he built cities for his sons. He's giving over the Yerusha. But yeah, you could say that he gives over whatever he has or whatever he has now acquired by hook or by crook. Okay. That's, uh, it's possible. There are a number of Mahalchem here. That's why this is Chama, the page before, is so large. He gives different Mahalchem of which Rashi. We definitely have a stira and the other. Rashi and Bresha seems to be assuming, don't worry, it was given to Chama, but Hashem can take it back because he gave it and it's all his. And nothing is given away forever necessarily. And it was uh, being held for Klai Yisrael at such time that they're going to come back from Mitzrayim. And that, that seems to assume Chum got in the first place. He's explaining why it's not a problem to conquer it. The Rashi, obviously, unless he's Parsha, held that they had it and Chum was conquering it. The question is, were they conquering part of it? How much does shame really hold? Was it just Yushalayim? Was it not? That's part of the... Uh, Guesswork here. Uh, the what? Any clue from the state the Not really, because already before when Avram got there, beginning of Lech Lecha, it says Kanani Osbaras, they already had conquered nice uh, areas and swaths of the land. So it could be that was 20 years old, 30 years old, 50 years old, but not hundreds of years old. So it's not a riot. Theologically, it doesn't bother us either way. Because we're going to finish the conquest in Shaftim. Going to take the whole Shaftim, but it's ours. The question is, is it ours by design that Hashem gave it to us, Mitchila, and they just stole it? Or Hashem gave it to Cham and said, hold it for X amount of years, but it's really for Klai Yisrael? That concept shouldn't strike us as unusual because at the beginning of Shaftim as well, we're going to see that Yerichai was given. Yericha is a tricky, tricky story with very tricky rules because it talks about Yericha being given to B'nai Kani, the sons of Yisrael, and it's clear they were Gerim, so they didn't have that city, particular where Gerim would live, but there's a place for them. Meshach Beda made a promise, if you remember, to Yisrael that please come with us and we're going to give you everything we have and you get the best and we need you. He left eventually, but he said, I'm going home to Magai, the rest of my family, to send them there, which he did. They did very successfully. So there was a promise there to give them a very, very nice spot. The area around Yericha was very fertile. Beautiful trees and fruits. And they settled there. Settled has to be defined. The cash in the background is there was a harem against building up Yericha. So where exactly were they living? So it wasn't the city itself. It was the suburbs or some of Farsham suggest it was only an Isra to build up the city. But they were really nomadic in their existence, that tents here, tents there. We always bump into B'nai Kani in different areas. If you remember that, we're going to kill out a mullik and they bump into B'nai Kani, were they Jewish or not? But they moved around. So maybe that's not a violation of the Chaim. They didn't build up the city there. They just got the Nachala to enjoy the fertile lands there. But it wasn't forever. It was clearly given to them because Yushalayim Harabayis has to be an inter-tribal city, if I'll call it. 
and they didn't know exactly where the base of Mikdash was going to be yet, but they knew there'd be a Makam, and at such time they'd find it and develop it. A funny word to use. Uh, I don't know as developers, but it's Klai Yisrael coming in, and Shmuel and Avi's going to find out. With David, he's going to research, and they're going to end up figuring out it's Harabayas, and then they're going to switch it, and B'nai Kenya is going to be sent away, and Yerichai is going to be given to the Shvatim who are now losing that part in Yerushalayim. So, same idea. They knew it was given to them for X amount of years until such time we need it back to switch and to swap. That took quite a few hundred years until we built the base of Mikdash. But that was okay with them. They're giving us now. We'll enjoy it now. And uh, you own this land and we'll go somewhere else. So, Hashem did it on a global scale, literally. And he's going to take it back. We don't have a problem either way. We're just trying to figure out what the pshat in the psukam are. And this Rashi sounds like it's suggesting otherwise. Yaakov, as he said, it's possible that it's just telling you that when he got there, they had already conquered it. Uh, something for further focus, and we'll have to get to it sooner or later. What does the Rashi over here mean that Hebron was seven times as nice? Nice in which aspect? Rashi describes it's rocky and it's bad land. They used it as a base ilum. And Tzayan was in Mitzrayim, which is a gorgeous country and very, very green. And this is the nicest city in this country. And Hebron's still seven times as good. In which way? So I'll say this delicately because uh, the Meraglim didn't do a very good job in talking about it to Israel. And Lashon Hara is always bad, certainly not Israel. So we don't want to come across as... Uh, getting involved in such a thing, but just trying to figure out, it's not only for this Rashi, it's important to know for all of Tanakh, and we're going to be conquering Eretz Yisrael a lot in Shavtim, <coughs> and it's important to figure out, when it describes the land, Eretz Yisrael, many of you have been there, many of you have toured, it's a beautiful country, and the Chamon is nice, and the uh, Shvela is nice, and Gushdan, and... Um, it's all Yishlaim is nice, beautiful hills, and Haram Savivla. I can find in each one of these aspects better scenery. You want to talk about mountains? Chemon's very nice. Yishlaim is very nice. The mountains are very nice. <coughs> Matsada is a nice cliff, if you like cliffs. <laughs> Switzerland's got some mountains also, no? I think the Austrian Alps are also there. So I'm trying to be careful when I say this. What? Huh? What's very close to Shalim? The Austrian Alps? Chevron's very close to Shalim. Yes, but uh, I'm not even talking about Chevron. I happen to been to a number of times. Looked nice to me. I'm not much of a farmer, but guess you got to get under the ground to figure out what's going on there. It's clear in the Pesukim that. Eretz is beautiful from the Gashmistic sense also, and the fruits are absolutely out of this world, and everything I'm pointing out now is not a kasha. Not a kasha, not a raya, because we're in Golis for a long time. And it's certainly true that Bizman Binyana, when we're not in Golis, in the golden age, we'll call it uh, Shlomo Melech and uh, David Melech, and, and uh, later on, Chazal even comment that in the one nice kufa of Bayasheni, after finally Yanai died and his brother-in-law Shem Meshetach and the Rebetzin took over, there was a to all the promises and the grain was this big and everything was gorgeous and it was wonderful. It didn't last that long, but that was a throwback 
And we know from the Maraglim, as much as they wanted to have this sinister plot to talk Lashon Hara, they had to say it in a very conniving way because they brought back these fruit that nobody ever saw before and didn't exist in Switzerland or in the delicious uh, grape-growing areas of Italy or, or Spain or France. And Eretz Yisrael was clearly better just from the Gashmiistic point of view. And the fact that I'm comparing and contrasting the Swiss Alps with Eretz Yisrael is really not fair because that's where we see it now. And in the times where they got there and Hashem and the Pusik promises, the Zayaminim and everything's going to be out of the stratosphere, as the Moraglim admitted it was, it sounds like that Kufa it was actually better in Gashmias. So even if it were not so, I want to point out, the value of Eitz Yisrael, the Gashmias, is to show us that when we're on the Madriga and we do the mitzvahs, we even get all the top Gashmias. That's not what Eitz Yisrael is for. Eitz Yisrael, the content, the Chashivas, is the Ruchnias, is the Kedusha. And then with that, HaKash Baruch Hu gave, again, for a Tkufa, when we were doing the right thing, and when we came in, Yeshua shaved him. It says in Yeshua, we're going to refer a little bit to Yeshua, because unfortunately we didn't do it yet, but it says that when they conquered what they did conquer in the time of Yeshua, there was Echad to every promise the Torah promised, and everything was exactly as the way it was supposed to be, and the land was, as we would say, off the charts. So it's not really fair... I'm sort of bavarning people go to Eitz and say it was very nice, but uh, in terms of vacation, you know, I can see the Swiss Alps or other places that are also very nice and maybe someone else. That's today in goals. That was not the case when we were supposed to be Allah Muslim doing the right thing. Yes? So that's going to change when, you know... So it's going to appear to us, certainly, in terms of the produce. Scenery, by the way, is a bit overdone. It was brought to you by developers. <laughs> so, you can't eat scenery. It's very nice. You get used to it after a while. And uh, you want to see mountains. I think your shalim is gorgeous. But <laughs> you, people pay for that. It gets a little boring after a while. Fruit, produce is where it's at. What the land can deliver. And it's clear from Yeshua. It's clear from the promises in Chumash. Not in that order. And it's clear from the history that we had it. And we don't have it now because of gold conditions. And when... Mark Twain went, and you ever read his descriptions? He said, there's nothing here. It's all desert, not a blade of grass. That, that's the function of the gullus. And it's a little better now, but that doesn't mean that this description, this Rashi can't be push shot. That as fertile as Mitzrayim was and Sion was the best of Mitzrayim, Chavra was still seven times better on its worst day. So there, that could be the push shot. I'm just suggesting besides that, because you read the Rashi, it sounds like, Heaven's rocky, so if it was so rocky, I'm saying rocky is one of the things, just it wasn't fertile, Tarshan, whatever you describe that, it was bad land, the soil wasn't Gavaldic. It was still seven times as good as Sayyid, but the Pusik says Sayyid was so green. So how, what's the push up shot over here? How, seven times better means Gashmias? I'm saying not necessarily, it could be, but you could also say Chevron, due to the fact that it's Chevron, it's an Eretz Yisrael, and it's Kedusha. There's nothing to discuss. You can't. You feel the difference when you're in Hebron, which we don't feel today as much because we're in Gullus. But I'm, I'm offering for those who even go in Gullus conditions, we're still in Gullus today, and we Americans have been to perhaps other places, it's dangerous to contrast because that's not really what HSL is for, even though the Pusik promises it'll also be that. That's all I'm suggesting. So it's possible... 
quite probable that it sounds like the Pasuk does both, yes. Are we talking about like, is like an intangible charm that a place will have that even, like with, with, with the Yuma Sohan, so everything is about like what you can see, what you can touch. No, I, I, yeah, I, I agree. It's not charm. Thing. It's called Kedusha. It's a, a better, better word for it. My Raya Dover is that there's certainly an important Hashkafa to understand that don't judge it by only the Gashmias, even though I think Las Love will be able to do both based on these Pesukim, is the fact they didn't even allow certain things to be in your Shalayim that looked too nice and tasted too good because there was the danger of people being Olaregel and everybody talking about, oh, you've got to go to Shalayim. The steak there in that steakhouse in the old city is out of this world. That's not what your Shalayim is for. Not the flowers, not the steakhouse, not the scenery. Even though they all might have been part of what Eretz Yisrael and Yishlam has to offer, Chazal Dafka didn't want it there in an obvious fashion so people shouldn't get the wrong impression and forget what they're here for. So there was a time not that long ago, I still remember as a little child, you went to Eretz Yisrael, and the Americans, I'm not saying whether I was included in this or not, would complain there's no peanut butter and there's no Cheerios. And do you, do you remember such a kufa? And a long list of, a long laundry list of, and you got to wake up and you're going to Israel for the peanut butter. They used to complain. I remember the first time I saw it. I said, there's that much oil in peanut butter? The oil used to sit on top. Where, where, does, where does the American brand put it? They mix it in better. It's still there. So that's real Lushen Har in Israel because you're convincing people not to want to be there and you're missing the point. And again, I still believe, that was my disclaimer, Pasek says that the Minim were better and the Gashmias was better than anywhere else. And you've got to fit it into this Rashi somehow. But even if you can't fit it in, the Chevron really wasn't anything to write home about in terms of what you could do and plant there and so you was talking better, that's fine. The Pasek still says it seven times as good because it has more important things to offer. Yes, so you've got to know what to plant. I don't know anything about farming, but I suppose there's a reason there are olive groves there instead of corn, wheat fields, corn fields. I don't know what you need to grow, citrus. You've got to know where to... Right, right. Right, right. So that's what I'm saying. At the end of the day, I, that's why my disclaimer was about Lush and Hara. Lush Lava, it's all going to be there. The Pusik says it many times over, and it's talking about Pushupshot, Gashmias also. All I'm saying is that the real importance of Eretz Yisrael is the Ruchnius, and Kalev didn't go there for the olives, even though they might have been growing them then. He went there to Davin. And we're still in Gullah's conditions, even though Baruch Hashem a lot of things growing there. We go to Eretz Yisrael, the trick is don't complain about that. I still hear complaints, even though you can buy anything you want, eat whatever you want, you can find whatever you want today, you just got to know where to find it, and that's not what you're there for. That's today, and certainly Lasalova and Chazal were makbe because they already make Takanas Yushalayim, not to get into Gashmias around Yushalayim, because go to Yushalayim, Alila Regi, you got to focus that you're there for the Ruchnias. So, that's an important discussion on this Rashi once we're here, and important for the conquest of Eretz Yisrael. There will be some discussion, there already was in Yoshua, and there'll be some more in Shavtim, where after they divided up Eretz Yisrael, Next, my Makkum we're going to see is Yeshua ben Nun before he dies is told by Gosh Baruch Hu, do the lottery now, which is done and divide it up now. Why should you divide it up now? You're not finished conquering it. The answer is do it when you're alive and divide it up so everybody knows what the Nachla will be and the Yeshuatim have to go themselves and go get it and fight for it. So, no, Api Hashem, 
Anachala, nothing to discuss. You're dividing up land, this is what it says, match up the boundaries and go get it. Well, it didn't always work that way, and there were Shvatim, members of certain Shvatim, who registered a complaint afterwards that this area is too hilly, too rocky, we want the Shvela, we want this, we want that, we want the seaport. That's Al Hashem, so we have to figure out how do you register a complaint, with whom are you registering a complaint that you don't like the Nachla. That's a, a naughty question which we're going to have to figure out because these people registering the complaint were very firm. They, they knew it was an Achal Al Hashem. How do you register a complaint? You can register a complaint against the guy in the land authority who was dividing it up based on uh, the throw of the dice, but that's not what happened. But you see, and right for the humans, and they want, well, this area is better for farming, this area is better for olivism, this is what we like. Where, where is that going to get them? But there's going to be some of that. I have to figure out why Alpiyalocha, you could even bring up such a subject. Uh, it's also clear, I have maps we're going to give up over the next few weeks. It's also something to think about. Uh, where was done? Why am I picking on done? So there are 50 million psukim that keep repeating, Mi Dan Vad Be'er Sheva. So you ask anybody in the street, even if you never saw a map, so, well, we know sort of where Be'er Sheva is. So wherever it is, Dan is going to be the polar opposite. So Be'er Sheva is down there somewhere, even if it's not in the exact spot where it is today, but it's down south that we know. So Dan must be all the way up north. And L'chaira, that's what the phrase has to mean. What else can it mean? And we also know, unfortunately, when Yerav Menavat sets up his Agolim, he put one in central Eretz Yisrael and said, access Harafrayim, where he set up his kingdom. But for those people who didn't want to travel so much and they wanted to do a Vodazara anyway, he put another eagle all the way up north. So there are many Raya's up north. The problem is there are many Raya's that it was in the center of the country, and most of the maps that people drew up based on Sukkim have it in the central, center of the country. So it's not so easy to figure out where it was done, and believe it or not, I know you're not going to like this answer, but there were two areas of Don. They weren't connected at all. It was one in the center of the country. And, and the better maps, I had to work hard to find one, have Don number one and Don number two, Olive and Bays, and they're in two parts. How that happened, what, the, what did the lottery say? It's quite possible it said one, and then they needed more land, and they wanted to conquer something else. Menashe, by request, but that's already in Chumash, Menashe was split up. Matter of fact, Ruven God asked for it. You look at the Pesukim over there. So this is important. We're going to get into really seeing what's going on in Eretz Yisrael, and you got to see a map. Why was Menashe even half of them? Why were they on every other? You look at the Pesukim of Moshe Rabbeinu. Who came to ask Moshe Rabbeinu to settle there? We have a lot of cattle, a beautiful land over here, and it sort of has Kedusha Eretz Yisrael. We'll have to discuss how much is a Mamish Eretz Yisrael, but it had enough Kedusha. They were Makai Mishra Eretz Yisrael. Moshe Rabbeinu first got very upset because we've been through this, and you're going to stay over here, and everybody's going to get shvach. We had this Moroccan, they said, no, no, we're going to go fight, and we're going to stay until Shev Shekishu, Shev Shekoku, and they did. They made good on that promise, and then they went back home. It was great. Menashe never asked for anything. How'd they get into this mix? So, you know, Tziv has a mahalach that Menashe had a lot of people learning full-time, and the um, Wild West over here was the Wild East, and the Avery Yard there was a dangerous place, and they're on the peripheral, and it's more of a chance, they're going to separate from Klai Yisrael, and Moshe Rabbeinu took half of Menashe and sent them there as the mini kohel. They didn't ask for this. And they were, right, the seed program, yeah. Even though we're talking people of high madriga, but he sent them there. Fascinating. 
And he told half of them to go there to raise the... And we know, it was a border town. Border town needs tough people. They were good people, but they were, they were tough fighters who also want to live there. So Menashe was sent to open up a few more yeshivas, and they were split up. See, you really see in the map, Menashe 1, Menashe 2, done 1, done 2. So there are going to be different things going on. Some of it's going to be a girl, and perhaps some of it was what they wanted to conquer afterwards, and that's got to be mutter. We have to figure out why. So there's a lot going on. Let's go to the next page. Yeah. Right. In case it doesn't work, yeah. And we're okay with both of them. Uh, we have no... Right, so you'd like to take the two Rashis and put them with the one Rashi that really we had it first and they conquered it, but in case they don't like that and they don't buy it historically, we tell them it does make a difference. Hashem owns everything and he gives it to everyone. So it's, it's possible. It doesn't sound like that from the first. You're used to dealing with the UN. So you know they're not going to listen, so you're already having a counter-argument in your mind. But uh, <laughs> the Shail is, the first Rashi sounds like, no, I, 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 Hashem is saying I gave it to Cham, but I only gave it to them temporarily. My Moshe, like we gave the Bnei Kani Yericha, but it wasn't for keeps, which is just as possible. But yeah, that's, that's a possibility. There's a lot of uh, raid on how to be in the Ashu, these Rashis, yeah. No, the Rashi clearly says that when the asked, this is what we said. Right, meaning it's for public consumption. Okay. Possible? Possible. Take a look at page three, and I'll show you some of the Mahalchim. Menachos Yaakov is a Kadman. He's a Talmud from the time of the Sma. And take a look. I just clipped off part of it. You see how much there is on the... I have a very large set of Chumash at home. Uh, very large, with many Perushim and Rashi, and it's multi-volume because each Rashi has like seven pages of uh, Perushim. This is a Chamim, is a Likud, really, of many of these Perushim. Take a look on the left side of the page. Listam Atem, Shekevashtem Eretz Zion Umas. This is going back on the first Rashi. Nearly. Shekol Nafla. So he says, I think it all went to Cham. So he suggests, as we, Sisacham brings down such an option, that it was broken up and there was a sliver that shame got in Yushalayim. We would understand why that would happen, because Yushalayim had extra Kedusha, and therefore Hashem didn't want to give it to Cham in the first place at all. We don't want them stepping foot in there. And we're used to having slivers coming out on taking Binyamin and Yehuda were sitting on Harabayas and one juts out to the other. There are cheshmenes for this. So he says he thinks it makes sense that shame got Yushalayim in the immediate area. That Chon then was conquering what they didn't have. They got most of it already and they were conquering the area of Yushalayim trying to conquer it from shame. The problem with that, each one of these Mahachim has kashas, obviously, that's why there's a Mahachim. It sounds like Malki Tzedek was still in charge of Yishalayim, and he came out, Malki Tzedek was El Shalom, which is Yishalayim, he was shame. 
So then you have to say the Chum was trying to conquer Yishalayim. It was always difficult to conquer, and they were pushing, pushing, and at some point they did, and he wasn't Melech of Yishalayim anymore, but when Yishalayim was still under his control, that's when that battle happened, and they came out to see Abba Vinu. That's what you have to say. And he does not like the Reim's Mahalach, that really it all went to shame, and Chum conquered everything from him, which is what the Rashi and Lech Lecha says, but he says, you got to put it with this Rashi, and he thinks this Rashi is saying that it was really theirs, at least 90% of it, and Hashem just gave it to them on a short-term lease and gave it back to us. So that's how he's learning the first Rashi in Bereshis. Take a look at page 4. See, that's why he put in, you know, it says Lush Yushalayim Visivos, the areas around it. We don't know how much land that is, and it was hard to conquer. It sounds like they were doing a job and it was a process, but historically, Yushalayim and the area around it was the longest fought battle. Anybody, when they came, they even look at the Roman conquest, they came and they came north to south. Sometimes they attacked from the Mediterranean and the first hundred villages were relatively easy and when they got anywhere near Yushalayim, there was a big fight. And even the Cheshmanayim, as they expanded their Malchus, they took Yushalayim and they had villages, Modin and the other, all that was around Yushalayim. So we don't know how large that area is. So it's hard to know uh, based on just the Diak. Take a look at page four. You have the Nachos Yaakov, and he starts with the Reim at the bottom of the first column. Who's the Reim? Reim is the Mizrahi. The Mizrahi that uh, the Sitzelcham always quotes. Uh, a lot of this is Machlikasim between Nachos Yaakov and the Reim. You'll see him quote him a lot in Eskashis. Reim Hiksha, Lama Zainu Maziku, the Yisrael, Listam, Allahim, Bene Kanan, and Mashakan Eve Kanarab. I thought this was interesting. He says, Asad Kasha over here. He said, how can it be legally that Cham owned it if Masha Khan Ebed Kanarabo and Nayach made Cham and Ebed of shame already? So why don't we just solve the problem by saying if it was ours first, it's ours, and if it was given to him, it's ours. What's, what's wrong with that argument? So this is a very important lumdus that comes up in a lot of the sectors, Mashakana He says that's only true when somebody gives them a gift, and it wasn't Amanas, your master shouldn't have it. They give him a gift, or they try to make a king, or they try to buy something. Hefker, or they find something. Who When you're working for somebody, you're his extended yad. When you're working for the boss, if he is kind of you for whatever your job description is, you come in the first day, okay, boss, what's my job description? Job description is whatever I ask you to do. So that means during that eight-hour, nine-hour period, whatever he does automatically is nikna. He's like an evid for those eight hours. So a complete evid certainly is mashakana evid kana rabba because yad evid kiyad rabba damya. Of Masha Evid Yerish Me'aviv, but Yerusha, this is an important lambdas, if he's Yerish something from his father, I'm going to share with you what the Kashi might be thinking of in a moment. I don't understand what he's saying, because he put in his before this, he said, Yerusha, there's no jurisdiction of Yad Evakiyad Rabba. They don't say Mashakan Evakiyad Rabba. As we all know, there's Yerusha Bagayim. Yeah, there's Yerusha Bagayim. Not by Avodim. There's no Yachas between an Evan and a father. Evan ain't no Yichas. 
there's no, there's no connection. I'm, I was very surprised. I, I don't know if somebody asked this, but he just jumped from a guy Yarshin his father. Yeah, he does. And when a guy dies, there's real Yerusha, and the money goes to his son because there's a connection of Piyalacha. By an avid preferish, there is no connection. Also, no. When somebody's an avid, there's no connection. Their halacha is based on this. With they had to fix a mamzer, there's no, there's no yichus. Pasha's just not. He's saying yes. I just don't understand. If anybody's an avid, an avid can't have any connection to to anybody. Because once he becomes an avid. Maybe at birth, you could tie in a near case. At birth, he was, there was a connection already, you don't lose it. But over here, we started off, and Chama is the one that cursed. Canaan was alive already. You could say that over here if Canaan was alive before he was cursed as an Ebed, they had a Yichas already. That, that I'll take. The problem is, he's saying a cloud. He's saying, as we all know, a, a guy Yarshin's his father. But that's true. But, but Ebed does. Could be over here. Could be only it over here. That would be a Terence. That over here they were born, they weren't above them yet, and there was a connection. But that. Why, why is it Mukhruf that, that, when, when no, that Noah was actually conferring halachic status to. Noah? Everybody's assuming that. You can ask the whole Kasha and say it's an Agarita, it made him an Evid, we don't know what that means, it means historically an Evid, but it doesn't mean Alpi Din Kidan, but he's assuming not so. But that's, uh, that's what's interesting here. Then Lakshas Meyad Darmina, he says, no, but it's a fairy Shikamar. And Lakshas Meyad Darmina, Perechele, the Gavia Ben Pesisa. Remember that whole machlekes? They sent a good lawyer, nice from guy. He volunteers. The whole machlekes. They wanted their money back. We took pieces of Mitzrayim, and we want it back. And you stole all our money. That was brought up three years ago by some professor in Egypt. They're still hawking about it. Uh, he must have read the Gemara. So, um, so he, he volunteered. Gavir Bemisisa was a great, great guy. He volunteered. Says that he told her. Told the Sanhedrin, let me take care of this. I'll, I'll go. And he started making a cheshbon. He said, okay, 210 years of hard labor, a few million people, let's tally it up, see who owes who money. And they ran for the hills. That was the end of the Gemara. So he started saying, Mashakana Evid, Kanarabai. So he holds that uh, there was a Kenyan, one of his arguments was, you owe us whatever money you had, it's all ours anyway. Yeish Lamar, did the Chiyabama top line hire? He said, yeah, that was, he just came in like any good attorney. He came in with a bunch of arguments, says, you like this, if not, I'll give you this one. It was the Duchi Obama, he didn't really need an Alpi Allah either because, as you're suggesting, maybe the whole thing is not Alpi the Diktuk of Kinyanam of Evid. Teda de Evid, Avod of Ksif. And this is a very important point. He says, it must have been the Duchi. If you want to say the status of an Evid with a full halachic nafkamina, im ken achatsi hu shol yafes. I was waiting for somebody to ask that. So Chams and Evid to his brothers, they're two brothers, the Shem and Yafis. So at best case scenario, you only own half. The money's all ours. The money's all ours. Well, what happened to Yafis? Yafis was kind of, he's an Evid to both brothers. So um, he says, that's a problem anyway. So he goes on, we're out of time. But he doesn't like the Mahalach of Masha Kana Evikana Rabbah, and he doesn't think that's a valid teretz, either because Yefes is going to own half, or it's not going to affect the Dini Yerusha. But it's a fascinating discussion. 
which Rashi do you weigh more in terms of what was the real story to the Goyim? You're suggesting that, like Gavir, when he came in, he says, it does make a difference. We'll have a number of Tevutsim, whichever one they like, so they stop persecuting us and, and put the issue away, and we don't care because we own it anyway, whatever the Pshat is. So that certainly might be a possibility. Okay, we didn't get to the Pel yet. Certainly had a lot of Ashkafa. Mitzvah Shev will continue next week.